So today, you know, after months of conversation, a lot of conversation, of prayer, preparation, God has made a way for our family to join a great church, and we're really excited about that. And this is a brand new season uh, for, for the church as well, for you guys. You know, throughout this process, um, I was able to have a lot of really good conversation with different churches um, all across the country. I, I interviewed at churches in Kentucky. Uh, I think Kentucky is a pretty state. And uh, so we interviewed at, at churches there. We interviewed at churches in Florida. Uh, my wife thought that would be pretty cool, having the beach, you know, pretty close by. Uh, we interviewed at, at churches in Missouri, uh, Indiana, which I, I've lived there before, uh, Texas, California, and Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, it was a really exciting time, but a challenging one. Now, I don't know if you personally enjoy uh, doing interviews. I, mean, I don't know if you've thought about that. or I actually enjoy interviews. I don't like the questions that come along with the interviews or the preparation. But here's what I really enjoy about interviews is just meeting new people. I love talking with church leaders all across the country, hearing about what God is doing uh, through the local church, uh, through people like you. And it's just really exciting for me, uh, you know, the process for that. But I, I don't enjoy the questions for sure. So real quick, you know, for example, um, when I was interviewing for uh, my first youth ministry position, uh, this was a while ago, I didn't have a whole lot of prior I experience. And because of that, the questions that came along with the interview were more about uh, character. They tried to get a good feel for that. Uh, how I felt about serving on staff uh, with multiple people. That's something I had never done before. And, uh, and what my short-term goals would be for, uh, for youth ministry. Those were, those were some of the questions for uh, my first full-time ministry position. Now, uh, my second one was a, a little different. So uh, I had four years of experience under my belt after serving as a youth minister. Um, I had earned a bachelor's degree in Christian ministry, and I had a list of some solid references that could speak on my behalf for me. So the questions, I remember them being, being more about track record, you know, what has the past four years looked like, uh, and then more about ability. And that's kind of a hard question to answer because you don't want to sound full of yourself, right, when you're in an, in an interview and they're asking about personal ability. But it was things like being a self-starter, Ability to preach, counsel, uh, your personal goals for overseeing, uh, you know, a larger group of volunteers, um, and, and then some goals that you had in mind, uh, you know, for serving uh, in the church. So I remember one question uh, this time around, you know, it was an entirely new experience, uh, interviewing for a senior ministry position or, or a lead pastor position. Churches call it something different uh, each time. Uh, you know, when churches are looking for, for that role, they want to know that they're hiring someone um, who's going to be authentic in their, in their approach to ministry, someone who's personable, approachable, uh, available, and has, has long-term goals. So, so I remember one question that was asked um, at, at multiple churches, and it was even asked uh, at this church as well, and maybe the elders will remember this, uh, and, and it was kind of a hard question to, to answer, not, not because I didn't know the answer, but it's one of those questions that when it's asked... Um, Answering it the wrong way, you could maybe feel like uh, you're a little full of yourself, <laughs> all right? So, so here's the question. You'll see what I mean. The question was, what has been your greatest accomplishment in ministry? All right, so you can see how that would make you feel like, well, if I answer that wrong, then they're going to think I'm a little, you know, I've got a big head. And if I don't answer it right, they're not going to get a full picture of what I'm passionate about and what I love, you know, love to do. So as I thought about it, though, the answer came uh, pretty quickly, and this was the answer that, that I gave to the leaders. Um, it, it's seeing former students who've gone through uh, my youth ministry um, pursue um, Bible college, uh, vocational ministry, or serve 
uh, in ministry in, in a lay role in the church. And for me, there's no greater joy in ministry than seeing men and women of all ages um, grow in their relationship with Christ, that where you're able to see kind of where God has them in a season and see how God gets a hold of them and, and grows them, and, and then to see them be used in, in amazing ways as kingdom workers. And that's a, a term that I, I love. It's a term that I feel that we're called to, to be kingdom workers. I, I love seeing that. So I, I've always made Bible college visits a priority in ministry, at least two to three times a year. And, you know, I believe that even though it's not a difficult thing to do, um, helping students take time to get a front row seat to what some of these Bible colleges have to offer, um, it was huge for them, and it really was the difference. And because the churches that I've served with um, have all valued sending students to Bible college, we saw a number of students um, pursue vocational ministry through that route. And, and I'm so excited that today I'm in contact with them, and uh, many of them are still serving in vocational ministry. Uh, many of them are serving in the church in volunteer roles. And uh, so, so, even, so even though the, the interview process was, was challenging at times, it's done my heart a lot of good. And that's really why I tell you this. It's done my heart a lot of good. It's done my wife a lot of good to think back um, to what God has done o o over the past years and what he can do in the future. This process has reminded me that it's important for us to, to take time to honor uh, the, the past work of Christ in the church, to celebrate the present season that we're in, and to trust God for the future. As a church, it's important for us today to do the same thing, that we would take specific time in our lives individually, as families, and as, as a church to honor the past, to celebrate the present, and trust God for our future. So in the book of Ephesians, we're given a great example of what this actually looks like. Because we can talk about things like this all we want, but what is a tangible way that as a, as a church in this slice of paradise, in this corner of the world, that we can take time and, and do these things? So in Ephesians, um, the, the Apostle Paul, he writes to and prays for Christians in Ephesus, and he, and he lays out this foundation for what this looks like. And he does so by talking about the past the present and the future work of Christ in and through the local church. And he emphasizes that what Christ has accomplished on the cross serves as the foundation for all of the past, present, and future success that, that, that we would have as a church. And, and then, you know, we, in Sunday school this morning, they asked to just sum up what we talked about. And, and if I were to sum up the, the, the section of scripture that we're going to read today, it really is this, is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So I want, to, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray this morning together, and then we're going to dive in uh, to the scripture this morning. Let's do that. Father, we thank you for the time that we have uh, this morning to, to worship together. I thank you for the opportunity, uh, God, to serve together, to study your word together. And I pray that this morning, God, would be for your glory and for our good, as we're going to see for the benefit of, of the church. God, we love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bible this morning, you can go ahead and open to the book of, of Ephesians chapter 1 in the New Testament, verses 15 through 23. And uh, we'll also, if you don't have your Bible with you, we'll have the words on the screen. And then if you have your smartphone with you, uh, there's a Bible app called YouVersion. If you haven't downloaded that, I want to encourage you to do that today. Uh, YouVersion, this is, I don't know if you know the story behind this, um, YouVersion is a Bible app that was created by the local church, and actually a church in Oklahoma City. And to this day, uh, there's over 330 million downloads 
of this Bible app. So what started as just a, a vision and, and an idea with a, a small group of people now has been downloaded a third of a billion times by people all over the world. They now have access to God, God's word at their fingertips. And uh, there's, there's uh, Bible plans that you can do for almost any topic, for, from parenting to, God, what would you have for me in this stage of my life? There, there's Bible reading plans for everything. So if you haven't taken the time to do that, uh, download that app. Uh, it is an awesome resource. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. We're going to read it in its entirety, and then I'm going to go back and, uh, and we'll kind of piece it apart together this morning. So starting in verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he has called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And then he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. And I love, I love this part, hear this church. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's what we just prayed this morning. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So there's, there's a lot going on here, but here's what I want to do this morning. If you're taking notes, the first thing that we're going to talk about is this. As a church, uh, we can honor the past. That as a church, we can honor the past. Um, so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, uh, we just read that. I want to reread those two verses. Uh, here's Paul. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus. This is, this is a past tense. This is how these people have lived out their lives. And Paul is remembering that. He's, he's acknowledging that. And he says, in your love for God's people everywhere. Not only did they know about Christ, but they demonstrated that to people. They demonstrated that love. He says, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. So Paul begins Ephesians chapter 1, actually before this, by talking about Christ's past work on the cross and how that work serves as the basis for everything that the church would accomplish. Paul then thinks back to how this group of Christians, this group of believers, have lived out their faith. And specifically, how they've shown trust in God and how they've demonstrated a love for people. It's, it's living out what they believe. Now, this is just my opinion. But as I was reading this, I believe that the, that the Apostle Paul would often take time to remember what God had done in the past through the local church. And these verses, they help us, uh, they help remind us that it's good for us. It's good for us, church, to pause and to honor the good work that's been done in and through the local church because of Jesus. Because of your love for God and because of your love for people. So what can we honor today? Well, here's what I want to do. Um, I was able, you know, I've only been here a short while. But I've had some great conversation and I've learned a little bit about uh, the history of OCC and what God has done over the past 30 plus years. So I'm going to list a few things 
that uh, I believe we can honor today. And then I'm going to need your participation, all right? I'm going to need you to speak up a little bit. And I, I would like your participation, just, just say it. Whatever comes to mind, what are some things that we can honor today? Some things that we can celebrate that God's done in this church over the past 30 years. So I'm going to give you a short list. And then uh, just for a moment or two, uh, if, if God puts it on your heart to say something, feel free to. So the first thing is this, and I had some great conversation with him uh, leading up to this transition, but how about this? We honor a former senior pastor who has faithfully served for over 36 years. Church, that is almost unheard of now, that somebody would be that consistent, uh, serve a church in that way for that amount of time. That's something that we can honor today. And then as I was talking with him, I said, okay, I don't know if you're going to know this or not, but how many baptisms have you had over the past 30 years? He said 223. <laughs> he knew the exact number. And church, we can be excited about that today because that represents lives that have been changed uh, in this church over the past 30 plus years. And then we were talking about with some of your leaders, uh, a new education wing that was built in 2008. And then on top of that, a building remodel in 2009. And then as you're seeing right now, there's some visual changes happening in the church. And I think those are some things that we can take time to honor, the work that's gone into that. This was probably my favorite next to the, the baptisms. How about an increase in missions giving to around 20%? All right, church, I, I, I need you to understand something. Most smaller churches don't give 20% of their income to missions. I've seen, I've talked with a lot of church leaders, and usually it's 10%, maybe 15%, but hovering around 20%. And I, don't, I believe that God's not done with us. Amen? I believe that God's not done with us. I believe that God wants this to be a generous church that we can lead by example, that other churches in the community would see that and then say, well, man, we got to one-up it. we got to be more generous than that. I believe God wants this to be a generous church. And right now, I, I'm so excited to hear um, that you guys are, are leading with generosity, and because of that, lives are being changed. And finally, the thing that I'll list, how about a daycare ministry that has faithfully served families for over 40 years? 40 years. I walked over there this week, and I don't think it was just the timing that I walked over, but a teacher was sitting with the kids and just uh, doing a Bible lesson with them, asking them if they had any prayer requests, things that were going on in their life and their circle of influence. That's what I walked in on. That's been happening for over 40 years. How incredible is that? All right, now it's your turn. All right, what are some things, church, that we can honor, that we can be excited about today to honor the past, past work that God's done in the church? Go ahead, we'll just rapid fire it off. The faithfulness of the people that started this. Absolutely. I was talking with Jeff and his brother, and I, I was, uh, I'd heard that they're some of the uh, people that have been here the longest. And as I got Jeff to open up a little bit in the car this week and just talk about some of the things that he's passionate about, I'll tell you what, he's passionate about this church. He is. I know that many of you are as well. What else? What are some things that we can honor today? Yeah, the emphasis on prayer. Awesome. What else? I think you're exactly right. We can take time to honor the people that have faithfully served and faithfully gone before us. What else? Yeah. 
Man, and isn't that the truth of, that we read in Scripture? I mean, God often uses the small for big things. God uses small people, uh, often uh, small faith even, you know, uh, small vision. And he takes that and he grows it. And God can take a smaller group of people and just do amazing things. I believe that wholeheartedly. One, let's do one more. What, what's one other thing that we can take time to honor today? We felt that when we visited. Um, I think people uh, barely let us leave, <laughs> you know, get out the door. Uh, we had a ton of hugs and a, tug, you know, a ton of just, hey, you know, tell me about yourself. And, and, and that's, that's, I think that's one of the things this church has going for us. You know, it really is. is that we genuinely, you guys genuinely care about people. And we want to we wanna grow in that and, and learn more in that. And I think that's something we can honor today for sure. So how do we honor? You know, we can talk about it a lot. You know, we should honor these things, and, and then we could give it good lip service, and then we could walk out the door. But how do we, how do we honor the past work that's been done? Well, here's, here's some ideas. You can, if you're a note taker, you can write these down. If, if you like to just hear things, that, that's good too. So for Gordon and his wife, if you haven't already done so, take time and write a letter. Uh, send a card and just express your thankfulness and your gratitude for their consistency over the past 36 plus years. If you haven't done that yet, uh, take time to do that. We can celebrate past wins in the church. Talk about it with your friends. I call them wins. It's things that when we get together, uh, we talk about, we, we're excited about. Um, sometimes we call them praises. Um, I, I just call them wins because it's a team effort. And I feel like God is working through this team. We can celebrate the wins. When it comes to the education wing and the remodels that are happening and are currently happening in the building, share that with people who are in your circle of influence. Just real quick, think about the people who... Um, who, who you spend your life with day in and day out. And maybe they're here, maybe they're not. Share that with them. Let them know how excited we are about, you know, to have the space that we have to, to worship and learn and grow and serve, but also how excited we are about being a light in this community, about re reaching new young families. Share that with them. When it comes to baptisms and an increase in our missions and giving, uh, we can thank God for the lives that have been changed and for the substantial increase in generosity over the years. Church, again, because of your generosity, lives are being changed. I believe that. As a church, we can honor the past today. Maybe some of the other things that were mentioned really hit home with you, or maybe you were thinking something, and uh, I know I wouldn't have spoken up. I'm not, I'm, you know, unless I'm right here, I'm, I don't speak up very often. Um, but maybe you're thinking about something today, and you think, you know, I could, I could take time to honor that. I would encourage you to do so. So the second thing, if you're taking notes, that, that we're going to talk about is this. As a church, we can celebrate the present. All right, listen to the, the, the uh, change in dialogue and how Paul shifts the conversation, shifts this prayer and this letter to this group of Christians. He says, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He's thinking about the present season that they're in. He's praying for specific things that he would have God do in their lives. He says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he's called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So as I read this, I see that Paul shifts the focus from honoring the past uh, to either praying for or, or celebrating the present. And he does that by reminding Christians that he continues to pray for the current season that the church is in. He prays for wisdom. 
He prays for insight so that this group would continue to grow in their knowledge of God. And he also prays that their lives would begin to overflow with the love of Jesus as they understand the hope that God has given them in Christ. I don't see a, a subdued group of people here. I see a people that were adding to their numbers every day, a people that were excited and on fire for Jesus. I, I, that's what I see. I see a people that as they worship, you know, and this is kind of a side note, you know, as they would sing songs, they would more than likely sing the Psalms. And that, a lot of their teaching would come from that as well. They didn't have, you know, some of the hymns that we sing today or even some of the modern, uh, you know, contemporary Christian music that we have today. They would have just recited the promises of God and they would have sang those. And what's neat, I'm seeing a movement in the church uh, today. A lot of local churches are actually going back to the Psalms and, and writing worship songs that come out of those words and just using the words of God. And, and I think it's a, it's a neat way to just connect with the heritage and the history of the church. These people were excited. This was a new time in the local church because the local church was brand new. <laughs> it was new. They were excited. And this is a new season in, in this church as well. And I believe that God has placed a vision in my family's heart uh, to partner with and pastor a church that loves Jesus and loves the community that they're a part of. I want to be a church for the community. And I know that you have a shared vision of growth. I've heard from so many of you through letters, through Facebook, through conversations in the hall, and even more this week, that you have a shared vision for new growth, for, for more community involvement, for more participation with young families. Your heart is to see people come to know Christ and for families to flourish because of their relationship with Jesus. Today, church, is a day to celebrate the present, to celebrate uh, what God is doing. So, so here's the question, just like with the, the, the first point, what is God doing? What is God doing in the church right now? Well, as I look out, I see new relationships being built. I see new relationships being built. And there's an, a new excitement, a new anticipation in the church. Families are eager to see new growth. I can tell you this 100% because I talked with a lot of churches. The leadership in this church is unified. The leadership in this church is unified, and that's something I believe that God has really prepared the way for. Uh, they, they have one heart and one mind, and, and it is so exciting to talk with them individually and as a group because they are so passionate about the church and so passionate about Christ, and they love you guys. We can be excited about our children and our youth ministries, and I don't think Shannon is in here right now. Um, we talked this week, and I said, Shannon, you're going to have to start getting into worship once or twice a month. And we're going to work on relieving some of the responsibilities that he has so that he can do that. But as I was talking with him this week and talking with some of the teachers, we have a children and youth ministry that's being led by a, a passionate group of adults who love Jesus and love our kids. They love them so much. Some of you have served in children's ministry your entire life, and it's because you love seeing that light bulb turn on for the first time in the life of a child. It is amazing. We're starting to dream what I believe are God-sized dreams. Starting to pray God-sized prayers. I believe that as a church today, we can celebrate the present. And this next point, and what we'll kind of wrap things up with, maybe you're here today and celebrating the present has been difficult for you. I think this last point's really going to hit home for you. It's this. Number three, as a church, we can trust God for the future. This is the, the most lengthy section of scripture for Ephesians 1, but um, I think it's the most powerful. Listen to these words, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. 
I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So in this last section of scripture, the Apostle Paul, he reminds the church that everything is under Christ's authority. Everything is under Christ's care. There's hope for our future because Jesus is on the throne and our hope is in Jesus. Amen? There's hope for our future. And I know that there have been, uh, as I read this and I read other letters that Paul wrote to the church, I know that there were people in the local church in that time who doubted uh, about where they were at, doubted about their future. They struggled. And we know this because in this section alone, Paul makes it a point to remind them about some of the most important characteristics of God. He, he talks about the greatness of God, the power of God, the authority of God, the leadership of God, the purpose that God has for his people. It's just one after another. He's just reminding them. And I was having a conversation with someone this week in the hallway. I think it was Friday night for our movie night. And uh, which, by the way, if you're not coming to those, you should. It's a really good time to come and watch a movie and just interact. And it's a really fun time. But we were talking about, um, we, we were talking about uh, the, the characteristics of God and, and the struggle that, that people have um, in this season and the importance of um, how, how God chooses to show us that he is who he says he is. You know, I've learned over the years that, um, I want you to hear this, that struggle and doubt are okay. I want you to hear this. Struggle and even doubt, the D word, <laughs> it's okay. That's because it's in our struggle and it's in our doubt that, that God's able to get a hold of us and, and turn our struggle into peace and turn our doubt into greater faith. You know, there are countless stories from Genesis to Revelation, stories of people who were able, and this is my, I, I think, the favorite line that God gave me this week, people who were able to live in faith while wrestling with doubt. That's possible. You can live in faith while wrestling with doubt. And I believe that this is going to be a season where God takes our struggle and, and doubt and turns it into greater faith. Not faith in people. Uh, people are always going to let you down. I love my wife to death, but she's going to let me down sometimes. As your pastor, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to say things that you might not agree with. I'm going to do things that you don't necessarily like. People are going to let you down, but Christ will never let you down. God's going to take struggle and doubt and turn it into greater faith. He is who he says he is. His promises are true when, when he's working and he, and he says he's going to do something in the future. You know, I believe that this is a season where God wants to stretch us. And remind us that he's in control. As we do pray those God-sized prayers and, 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 we, and we talk about those God-sized dreams, remembering that God is, is in control, that we really can trust him. We can trust him for our future. And we're going to start praying as a church about new ways that we can effectively reach the community that, that we live in. 
how the message stays the same, but the methods are always changing. Our creativity and the way that we go about that can change. As a church, we'll claim the promises of God. Uh, did you know that there, there are books written about this, that some people believe there are over 8,000 promises made by God directly to his people. Some think there's maybe closer to 5,000. But either way, church, that is a lot of promises. And we can claim every single one of them as followers of Christ. As a church, we'll claim the promises of God as we're led to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this time and in this place. Not 30 years ago, not 20 years ago or 10 years ago, but now. This is where God would have us be. So Paul encourages the church to honor the past. And church, I want to encourage all of us to do the same. Share stories. Talk about past wins. Honor the people who've gone before us, just like what was mentioned this morning. And we can take time to celebrate the, the present. Be, be bold in building new relationships. Maybe you've lived in the same house for years and you don't know your neighbors by, by their first name. Now's the time to walk over and introduce yourself. Be bold in building new relationships. And then ask God to continue to grow the old ones. Dream God-sized dreams for your, for your own life and for your family and for the, for the church. Because remember, we can trust him. He's on the throne. He has a plan and a purpose for our life. And finally, we can trust God for the future. I believe that he's going to bless the faithfulness of his people. I believe that. So today, let's honor the past. Let's celebrate the present. Let's trust God for our future. OCC, I am, I am so excited because I think great times are ahead. I think God's doing something in this church, in this community. And I'm excited about going on this new journey with, with every single one of you.